Welcome to Dem Talks, Our Stories, Our Voices, created by the Dementia Carers Campaign Network, a carer advocacy group supported by the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. I'm your host, Judy Williams, and when I'm not podcasting, I'm an advocacy engagement and participation officer at the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland, and I look after the Dementia Carers Campaign Network, known as the DCCN. The topic of our episode today is home care and other aspects of the caring journey, and I'm delighted to welcome Susan Crampton, a committee member of the Dementia Carers Campaign Network, who cared for her mother, Anne. Megan O'Connor, a makeup artist who helped to care for her mother, Anne-Marie. And Adrienne McAvenue, Home Care Coordinator at the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. You're all very welcome today. And I'm going to come to you first, Susan. Hi, Judy. Susan, you were a carer for your mother, Anne, who was living with mixed dementia, vascular dementia and Alzheimer's disease. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and about your mother? I live in Shannon, County Clare. Um, I'm a member of the Dementia Carers Campaign Network since about 2017. Um, I joined um, because I was in touch with the Alzheimer's Society over a, the couple of a few years while um, my mother was living with dementia and I was finding it very, very difficult um, to get her the care that she needed and I had lots of questions and there was a lot of back and forth with the Alzheimer's Society and then somebody in the Alzheimer's Society invite, invited me to join the DCCN. So I joined in 2017. Unfortunately, my mother passed away within a couple of months of me joining. Um, but I continued on because um, during my caring journey with mom, um, I learned an awful lot about dementia, about how to get care, how to get home care negotiating her way into, you know, into the health system, getting her diagnosis and that kind of thing. And I thought all that information I have is not going to be wasted if I continue on with the the Dementia Carers Campaign Network. So it's been very rewarding and fulfilling for me, and it's helped me deal with the loss of my mom as well over the years. Um, My mom, she um, she was a a mother, a, a wife, a mother of five children. She was born in Limerick. Um, She actually got polio as a very young uh, child um, and she lived with that all her life, but she never complained about it. She had a disability, a minor disability as a result, but she was very, very independent and never let that stop her do what she wanted to do. And she was very active as well. So it affected her, it affected her foot, but she even got involved in you know school races and things like that. She didn't let it hold her back and she wasn't one for running to the doctor and things like that. She didn't, you know, she hadn't a great load of um, faith in the medical system. Uh, when she was, um, you know, in her early 20s, she moved over to England. Um, she met my dad there. Um, like a lot of Irish people, um, her all her family was born in England. And we moved back to Ireland in 1978. And uh, eventually we, my dad, who was a builder, built a bungalow and she went, we went out to live in the country area which is quite isolated, um, but she got a, lo- a lovely big garden. She loved gardening. She loved knitting and sewing. She taught me to knit and sew. Um, she was formerly a manager um, in a department store of a furniture department in a department store. And uh, she gave that up to look after her kids, um, which I always appreciate that I have my mom at home all the time. And that's something I always thought about when she needed my help. Um, so she was she was kind of like a natural manager. So she we were never late for anything when we were growing up. Um, she never missed appointments, never forgot to do things. 
But suddenly, um, uh, it was around 2010 or maybe before that, she started forgetting to pay her bills. Um, she was missing her um, regular doctor's appointments. Uh, she was diagnosed with um, heart failure when she was 60. Um, but, you know, she was managing it quite well and she was very good at taking her medications and everything. And when she started forgetting things, the first thing I thought of was maybe it was the medications that were affecting her. I checked. It wasn't those. We eventually got her to go to the doctor. Um, and she still didn't really get a diagnosis, but, um, you know, she was getting confused. She was she wasn't being herself. She was becoming agitated. Her personality seemed to change. She seemed to get angry with us very easily. Um, we knew she wasn't managing. Um, and finally, after she was involved in a car crash, we got a diagnosis of, de of dementia and um, we got got her to a specialist and she got her affairs in order, which was one of the things. She was a very sensible person that way. So she got all that sorted out and she was able to live um, at home on her own. My dad was my dad had passed away for many years, uh, for well, maybe two or three years. And then uh, she started getting lost. She started ending up in the Garda station. And, and that's when um, we needed to get home care for her. Um, she couldn't be on the, in the, the house on her own for any length of time. OK, so Susan, thanks for sharing all that. And we're delighted you're with the DCCN. So um, it's, it's a positive on both sides there. But um, you mentioned there about you had to get home care for your mum at a certain point. Um, as a family member of somebody living with dementia, how important was home care to you? Right. Well, the thing what happened with my mom was, um, as I said, she was living on her own in a bungalow out in the middle of nowhere, basically. Um, she couldn't drive anymore. Um, she wasn't eating properly. She wasn't taking her medication regularly. Um, and what was happening was I would be in work and I'd be getting phone calls. And I realized then she couldn't be on her own in her home. So what she needed at the very beginning was somebody to be with her. She didn't need, you know, task based care. She was still able to talk, to walk, to eat. You know, she was able to do most of the things that are necessary to survive on her own. But she she couldn't remember what to do and when to do it. So if she had been on her own, she might not have had her lunch at lunchtime or she she'd forget what day of the week it was. Or she'd have no, she'd think she'd, what, what used to happen was um, before she got home care, I would get her groceries for her and leave them in the fridge or I'd make dinners up for her or sandwiches and things like that to make sure she always had food. Mm. And she'd open the fridge and she'd ring me up and she said, I've no food in the house. So it meant me getting home care for her meant I could go to work in the morning and not be worried about her for starters. Secondly, she wasn't on her own. She had company and that's all she needed really at the beginning. OK, and that gave you peace of mind, yeah, obviously. Absolutely, yeah. And Susan, there's probably people listening to this who are finding home care challenging. Did you have any challenges? Absolutely, yeah. So, <laughs> um, OK, my mom didn't believe that she needed anybody in the house with her. And she, she made statements like, I don't want strangers in the house. Um, so it was very, very difficult for me to, to persuade her to, to have home care. But it got to the stage where we had no choice. And we did try maybe having, you know, 
people coming in and out, family members keeping an eye on her. That didn't work. She needed somebody with her 24-7. And what happened for us was the solution for me was that while she while I was at work during the day, she would be cared for in her own home. And then she's come home and stay with me in the evening. So essentially she was living with me and getting the home care in her own house. So at least when she was with me, it was no problem. You know, we could have our dinner, we could watch TV together. I knew she was safe, but she couldn't be alone in the house. And so we got we got um, we had to get a private uh, home care agency and because we needed to act very, very quickly because she jumped from being coping on her own to not coping on her own within a couple of weeks. Um, look, she gave out to the people who came into the house. God loved them. She made things very difficult for them sometimes. Um, uh, you know, she at one stage, she actually locked one of the carers out of the house and they had to get in through the window, I think. Um, oh so she, you know, it, it, it like she didn't she didn't really believe she needed it, but she did. She she didn't actually need anybody to look after. Her. OK, she couldn't cook anymore, so she needed somebody to cook her dinner. So she accepted it. Was somebody cooked her a nice fry up or something? <laughs> she was quite happy to sit down and eat it. And, you know, eventually, you know, we managed to get uh, carers that she hit it off with and they, they, you know, and chat to her like friend. That was that was the most important thing that meant the most, you know. Yeah, the companionship. Absolutely. Yeah. Somebody there to listen and understand. Yeah. And if there are family carers listening, what is your advice for getting the best out of home care? I mean, obviously, you've said there about hitting it off. That's not always possible. So what would be your best advice there? Well, um, firstly, that, you know, if you're if you're using a home care agency or any any I had to use a private home care agency. I know the Alzheimer's Society bring carers in and think they'd probably have more experience in providing the right type of person to give the care. But um, the person should be trained in dementia specific care um, that's tailored to the actual person they're caring for. So I didn't need a person at the beginning who was experienced in, you know, manual handling and that kind of thing or lifting and carry because mom, mom was quite independently walking around and everything. What I needed was somebody that would, you know, give her companionship, as you've already mentioned, um, and that would, you know, stimulate her into speaking, into, you know, to doing activities that were meaningful for her. So some of the carers that came into mom, you know, would have taken her down to the shops. One lady one day when my mom was very, you know, agitated and bad form, she took her from Shannon to Limerick to the place where my mom grew up and brought her around the area and went for a coffee with her. So, you know, that kind of thing. Um, just having, you know, and she, they, they actually got a lot out of my mom and they wrote a journal. Uh, a couple of the girls, they wrote a journal and I found things out about my mom after reading it that she'd never actually told me about oh. before, about her past and where she worked. That must have been a lovely kind of, feeling. Yeah, no, it was lovely and it's lovely. I still have that now and I can look back at it, you know. Oh. Um, yeah. Very nice. So, so Susan, you've mentioned a lot there about home care. So if there are professionals listening, why do you think it's so important to get home care for all of the reasons you've mentioned and maybe some more? Well, it's like for my mom, it was very important that she stayed. She was in her own home and that she stayed at home. And and what happened for us was that um, we eventually couldn't get carers to come into the home because they weren't available. And it wasn't even a, a matter of being able to pay for it. We just couldn't get people. Okay. And what happened was my mom had to go into a nursing home um, because I think even if I hadn't been working at that time when she's got to the, you know, close to the end of her journey through dementia, um, 
the, the caring responsibilities were coming, becoming more physical and it would have been almost impossible for me and my daughter was living with me at the time for us to do it between us. We actually didn't have carers coming in for a few weeks and it was really, really difficult for us because we couldn't get anybody. So like home care meant that my mother didn't enter a nursing home too early. Mm-hmm. I still, well, it was too early in our opinion, but not as early. Um, it meant that I got to spend a lot of time with my mom. And I remember those times and there were good times. And I would say to, you know, to any professionals out there, just think about, you know, what it means not only to the person who's living with dementia, but to the person who is actually caring for them, that they have somebody there that can look after them. Yeah. Uh, and that you don't like the worry that we had. Excuse me. No, you're fine. When my mom was at home with me, Okay, I worried about her a bit, but not that much because I was able to do something for her. But, mm-hmm. but as soon as she entered the nursing home or if she ever was in hospital, uh, I had more sleepless nights, I think, worrying about her when she wasn't at home okay. than when she was at home. Mm-hmm. So I think about, you know, professionals out there, just think about how it affects the family, how it affects society, because I think it's very important that the people we care about, our grannies and our parents and our granddads, everybody, you know, that they're still within society, not locked away where where people can't interact with them. And we have brilliant, lovely memories of my mom with her grandchildren, um, you know, talking to them. Um, then she used to love watching them doing, you know, little, little songs they learned at school and that kind of thing or dancing or um, one of my nieces showing her karate moves to mom. <laughs> so, you know, it's just important, I think, that people stay stay within society and are not locked away just because they have have yeah. dementia in their communities. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You had a lot on your plate there because you were working full time and caring for your mom. So I can understand exactly why home care was so important to you. So do you think there should be a statutory right to home care in Ireland? And if so, what would a statutory right look like? Well, we absolutely need a statutory right to home care. Um, I think people with dementia deserve the same level of care as anybody with any other kind of illness. And like for certain illnesses, you need to go into hospital and you wouldn't say to somebody, you know, you can't have that. So my my thinking on this is, okay, it's not just about providing funding for home care hours and that kind of thing. Like we had home care hours, but we weren't able to get them because we didn't have the people to deliver the home care. So what I would love to see is that the, the government who the HSE or whoever actually invests in providing personnel, people trained up properly to look for look after people who, ha- who have dementia and support people to live at home. Um, I definitely think that home care should be looked at as an, in a flexible way. So not only are people looked after in their own homes by people coming in, but people who work should be allowed to maybe take time off work so they can spend time with their loved ones at home. Or nowadays, now that everybody has the opportunity to work from home, if somebody is looking after somebody with dementia in their home, let them work from home if they have to. Because sometimes, as with my mom, she just needed somebody with her. She didn't need somebody doing something for her all the time. Um, I definitely think, you know, a diagnosis of dementia should entitle you immediately to some form of home care. And you shouldn't have to fill in 100 forms justifying why you need it. I don't think anybody's going to ask for somebody to come into their home to provide care unless they actually really need it. 
Okay, so I suppose it's a little bit like at the moment people with dementia in Ireland have a right to nursing home care via the Fair Deal scheme, but that right doesn't exist for home care. So you're saying that right should exist for home care. Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, it's probably going to cost less money in the long run, um, because as soon as my mom went into long term care, she got sick. Right. She started picking things up, you know, whereas that wasn't happening at home. Thanks, Susan. So I think it's worth saying at at this stage, then, if you're a family carer listening to this and you agree with Susan that there should be a statutory right to home care, be sure to contact your politicians or your local representatives about the importance of this. Great. Thank you so much, Susan. You've shared so much there and really appreciate that. Thanks. Thank you. Okay, we're going to go to you now, Megan. Hi, Megan. Hi. (laughs) Thanks so much for joining us. And some of our listeners may be more familiar with your name from Glow Up Ireland in 2021. I believe you were a contestant on that. Uh, Or from your social media presence on Instagram and TikTok, where you showcase your creative makeup. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Um, So my name is Megan O'Connor. I'm from a little town in Leitrim. So... um, I went on Glow Up in 2021, I think it was. And that was kind of at the end of my intense caring journey for mum because she had just gone into um, a nursing home full time. So I kind of took that time to try and invest back in myself and try and work on what I had started working on before mum got her diagnosis. Um, So I went on that and tried to just share mum's story as well to bring awareness to that as I had opened up about it online for my following as well because I kind of wanted to make what I had experienced and mum's journey useful for someone else and make it have some purpose like that it happened like you know make the best of the bad situation and try and just help someone maybe that was struggling at the same things that I was kind of at the time. Yeah, that was lovely of you to do that, to be willing to share it and to help other people. Um, And obviously makeup is your passion, is it? Yeah, Yeah. I've always been creative. Um, I did art in college. Well, I actually got it from mom because mom used to paint for as long as I remember. She always used to paint different oil paintings and kind of dipped her hand into everything. Um, So art and all things kind of artsy and creative were always like pushed in our house kind of like there was no you didn't have to be academic you could do whatever you wanted to do okay. that was always the way mom looked at things once you're happy and healthy that's all that kind of mattered so after college I kind of took a bit of a break from the intense like structure of painting and all that type of thing and I decided to mesh two loves of mine together which would be makeup and art and I started to kind of dip my toe in to social media and try that and then yeah, I just kind of started to kind of grow kind of quickly when I began initially. And then obviously mum's health issues kind of came up and then I had to take a little bit of a backseat on that for a while. Okay. Yeah. And you mentioned there that your mum was very creative as well. And I know that your mum, your mum's name was Anne-Marie, wasn't wasn't it? She was diagnosed with frontotemporal dementia in 2017 and she sadly passed away last year. So our condolences on that. But can you tell us maybe a little bit more about your mum? You mentioned her creativity. Um, Anything else you'd like to tell us about her? Yeah. So mum was just, she was just like a ray of sunshine. That's the best way that I can explain what she was like. She was a little bit introverted and stuff like me and kind of just like liked her routine of things. And like Susan, she was a stay at home mom for us for as long as I remember. She used to be 
a hairdresser and kind of she got offered this big job on a cruise ship before she had us. And for as long as I remember, she's always said that she turned it down because she knew that she just wanted to be a mom. She just wanted to have that maternal role that she had and that like she just was such a nurturer. Um, so she had us and she stayed at home with us and kind of kept us like kept busy with us anyway. Okay. Um, but she was she was just a kind soul is the best kind of way to explain her. She was always there when you needed her and she was just a calming energy to have around. Mm-hmm. They're lovely descriptions of mm. your mom. Really lovely. lovely. Yeah. And obviously you mentioned there your your caring journey and the caring journey of your family with your yeah. mom. Can you tell us a little bit about that journey? Um, it was definitely a roller coaster of every kind of emotion um, there was because initially when she started showing signs, she was only in her early 50s. So it was any time it came up in conversation, it was just dismissed in the sense that she's so young and there's no family history that it, it couldn't be dementia. It couldn't be Alzheimer's. But I was I'm a bit of a catastrophist kind of. So in my head, I was like, well, it's either a tumor of some sort or there's something going on and I just need to know. I was just kind of asking for some scan to just put my mind at rest, if anything. Um, And eventually she got the diagnosis after kind of menopause being brought up as the reason why she was having the confusion and the changes in her personality and maybe some depression. But obviously, in hindsight, looking back, there was depression and stuff there also. But that was brought on due to the Mm -hmm. underlying issue of the dementia. So um, it all kind of progressed quite quickly for mom because she was quite young, I think. Um, And you started to notice that every week there was just a new. She had gone downhill more and more. And so by the time she got her diagnosis, the awareness of the situation had left kind of for mom. So the severity of the situation didn't actually fully dawn on her. So then after that, she just kind of kept going downhill quite quickly. Um, But we were very fortunate in the sense that I was at home. I was working at home at the time. um, But like that, it's like when you're dealing with that at home, it's quite it's draining, like draining, to say the least. Mm -hmm. And your time becomes a lot more valuable in the sense of that you just want to be with that person all the time. Yeah. So I was kind of bringing that emotion to work and I was just not focused on anything. So I eventually just left that position and became mom's carer because I just wanted to help her in the way that I know that she would. If it was anyone else, she'd do it for anyone. And which now in hindsight is obviously time well spent because I would do it 10 times over if I that's lovely could but yeah yeah so it was a very intense experience and especially I mean with you being so young having to go through that etc yeah it it's hard there's times when you're caring at a younger age that you feel a little bit selfish in the sense that you question why do you have to take on that role or responsibility but it's not the person who is unwell's fault Mm -hmm. and I know there's times where some days you could be on top of the world and you'd be the best person for that person. And then there's other days where you feel like you start to just kind of it gets quite monotonous and there's different jobs that have to be done every day at the same time. And yeah. you feel a level of guilt then if you 
do start to resent that role. Mm-hmm. But like you appreciate the fact you're able to do it as well. But it's just it's hard when you're like, what age was I? I'm 29 now. So at that point, I was seeing all the people that were my age building their life yes. in my head. I should have been building that life as well. So it's hard because you comparison is the thief of joy and you're just kind of watching people live their life and your life is just frozen mm-hmm. for that amount of time. Thanks for sharing that. And I'm sure your mum really appreciated everything you did for her. And as you say, it was lovely for you to spend the time with her, yeah. but, but difficult at the same time. Yeah. And Megan, um, I, I think your mum received home care during this time for a little while. Yeah. Can you tell us about your experiences of home care and were there positives and negatives of that, of, of navigating the home care system? Yeah, so we um, initially, because obviously myself and dad were at home, but dad was also in ill health. It was kind of like we definitely felt that we had that responsibility to mom to do to give her all of her care because we were at home and there was no reason why we couldn't. Um, But obviously, as things progressed and her sleeping patterns were kind of she'd be waking up in the middle of the night and wanting to get up out of bed. It was like we were drained, exhausted because it was just a routine that was just unlivable for us. Um, And I know it was my idea initially, I think that I because dad had promised mom that he would be there every step of the way to do everything for her. And I know we reached out to get home help in because we mom was nearly having to have her shower and everything every morning and it was just it was becoming a lot especially for dad and his aches and pains and everything too so um we got home help in and i think they came in twice or three times a week in the morning time um where they would give her her shower so that we kind of could have that little bit of time just to regroup and kind of recharge and then also we had a lovely lady that would come in i think it was twice or once a week or once twice every two weeks and she'd sit with mum for like three hours um, just while we could run about and get bits done or that type of thing and it was definitely beneficial because you just got a moment to breathe you could have your breakfast and just kind of get ready for the day um but yeah it was it was beneficial for us so a bit like Susan said, it gave you peace of mind during yeah. those three hours and you could get your jobs done and yeah. you, you knew your mum was safe. Yeah, even yeah. if it was doing nothing at all, it was just time to just have yeah. to yourself. Absolutely. Um, where you could just go upstairs and tidy your room or just potter about and just breathe, really. Yeah, nice to do nothing. Yeah, Absolutely. just to do yeah. nothing and just appreciate the fact that you know that she's OK and that you can just yes. relax and just have a, have a minute. I think that's a really good way of describing it. And Megan, there might be people listening who are in a similar situation to you in their 20s and dealing with a caring journey and the grief of losing a loved one. Would you have any advice for younger people who are going through something similar to your journey? I I definitely would. I know like from sharing mum's journey online, it's surprising how many people are in the same situation. I know when I was in the depths of caring for mum, I felt like nobody could relate I kind of distanced myself from everyone because I was like the the girl who had the kind of the sad story that I didn't know how to integrate myself into scenarios with people my age when they couldn't relate. But I also felt like I couldn't relate to them. So with people reaching out and kind of saying that they've cared or they're currently caring for someone and they ask for kind of advice or tips on where to go for help, 
Um, I think the main thing I always say to them is just to familiarize yourself with what help is available to you. Even if you think you don't need it at that time, Mm -hmm. you could reach a crisis that you do need it. Like I know with mom and going into the nursing home, we were very, very fortunate to get her into our local nursing home because there's, I think, about 20 residents. Like it's very small. The list is extremely long. And when you reach a point where they need that now and you're not on the list or you're not ready for that spot, then you have to look further afield. And we were fortunate in the sense that we could go down to mom every day, three times a day and be there. So I think I always say to people that even if a nursing home is the last thing on your mind, putting that person's name down is no harm because it's good to be prepared for the thing that may happen. And I think a balance when you have home helpers at a balance in trying to make time for yourself. I know like I'm only now coming back to finding who I am again because you do lose who you are a little bit throughout your caring journey. You're not the priority and you can kind of just before you realize you've kind of lost who you are. Mm -hmm. So I think making time for yourself if you can when home help is there or if you have a support network, use it. Um, But also not to feel guilty if you do have these moments where you question what you're doing or not to feel bad if you kind of feel like you're missing out on other aspects of life. But that know that like your time is being well spent and that it is all worth it. And that when that time comes that that role is not there anymore, you would do it again in a heartbeat if you could. Mm. Yeah, I think that's all fantastic advice. I'd say we'd all agree with that. Absolutely. absolutely, Well done, Megan. And thank you. We still have our lives to live. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Megan. No problem. Um, So we'll move over to you now, Adrian, and thank you for joining us also. So you're a home care coordinator for the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. Can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and about your role with the Alzheimer's Society? Sure. Thanks for having me here today. Um, So, yeah, I'm Adrian McAvenue and uh, I started with the Alzheimer's Society 22 years ago. Wow. I I actually started my uh, life with the Alzheimer's Society as a care worker. And I did that for about two years, uh, both in daycare and in people's homes. And I really enjoyed that. Um, The opportunity arose to uh, take up a position as home care coordinator. And uh, so I went for that role and I I got it. Um, It was in a particular area in Dublin. And now I manage with a colleague of mine, Frances Redmond, I manage South Dublin home care for the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. I also co-facilitate with Frances um, a carer support group for people with a diagnosis under the age of 65 for their carers, uh, family carers. And I facilitate two social clubs which uh, bring the person with dementia and a family member or a friend uh, or carer uh, together uh, for a couple of hours each week. So uh, that keeps me on my toes, keeps me busy. So that's that's my (laughs) yeah, that's my role within the organisation. 
It sounds like it really does keep you busy. Mm-hmm. And if people wanted to find out about that social club or about the support group, how, how would they find out about it? OK, so all the information is on the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland uh, website. Um, our helpline is also a fantastic uh, uh, information resource. Um, and we have sent out when we set up these uh, groups, um, we sent out word to all the uh, HSE personnel for that to be so managers for older persons and disability managers, memory clinics. We make as many people aware of these services as possible. Um, both myself and Francis, our phone numbers are up there on our website. So um, uh, feel free to ring us anytime. We're always happy to help in whatever way we can. Yeah, I think it's probably good at this point if we give out the uh, website address and the uh, helpline. So that's www.alzheimer.ie and the helpline is 1-800-341-341. And Adrian, what can someone expect if they receive Alzheimer's Society of Ireland home care? Uh, Well, I suppose the main uh, thing uh, would be dementia specific care. I suppose that's what sets us apart from other organisations. The Alzheimer's Society of Ireland uh, deliver dementia uh, specific services, um, which I think is crucial. I think uh, Susan uh, touched on it er earlier. Um, I often think, you know, if if our loved one was diagnosed with cancer, we certainly wouldn't be sending them to a dentist, you know. Mm. So if somebody is diagnosed with a dementia, it's it's vital that they get dementia specific care. Um, you can expect person centred care. And again, both Megan and Susan touched on this. I think it's crucially important. Um, person centred care, it's not just a cliche. It's it's vital to a successful service. Uh, getting to know the person. Uh, I heard Susan say earlier that one of the cares that went to your mum did a life story. Mm. Uh, we promote that within the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland. Um, but uh, before we even introduce a carer, we would uh, do an assessment with the family and with the person with dementia. We find out their likes, their dislikes. And one of our biggest challenges then is to go back and find out which of our carers would be most appropriate with this person. And um, again, something that was touched on earlier uh, with our home care. Um, some of the home care packages out there that are provided by the HSE true private home care companies are very task orientated. So we hear all the time that families have applied for a home care package, but their loved one doesn't need assistance with a showering or they mm-hmm. don't need assistance with manual handling tasks or activities of daily living. Um, with our carers, Uh, Like as we speak, we have carers that are attending hairdressing appointments, having a game of pool, you know, so whatever, you know, whatever it takes, whatever the person needs, we will try accommodate that. Mm, That's wonderful, isn't it? And as you say, that that really makes a difference to the person receiving the care and also to the families, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's the thing about our home care is it's beneficial and home care across the board should be beneficial to both the client that we're going in to visit, but also the family member, because a break, as Megan said, to take that break 
and have that peace of mind of knowing, you know, that that, that your loved one is being well minded. That's absolutely it's, yeah. that's vitally yeah. important. And not just well minded, but enjoying what they're doing, absolutely, maybe. Absolutely. Absolutely. Of yeah. course. And uh, Adrian, it must be obviously it's very complicated matching the people and organizing the rota and all the rest. So what are the main challenges for you in in organizing and coordinating the home care? Well, I think at the moment I would have to say recruitment of care staff is our uh, our biggest challenge at the minute. Um, since COVID, for whatever reason, um, people just aren't coming forward for care work. Um, and yeah, I'd say recruitment of, of care staff and the appropriate people, you know, uh, because as I mentioned earlier, dementia specific uh, care is vitally important. So finding the the right people mm-hmm. in is essential. Yes. Yeah. And are there ways around that? I mean, are, are there ways that you can try and find those people? Like, how are we going to get past that problem, if you like? Well, I think how we're going to get past it. Well, we, we are um, at the moment running a campaign. We are uh, trying uh, to advertise for for care workers. But but honestly, I think uh, not just uh, within our organisation, I'm talking about the country, the government at government level, we need to look at um, how we treat care workers. Um, we need to look at their salary. Okay. Um, although I will say that the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland are very competitive in our rates uh, for, for care workers. And we also offer block hours because okay. a lot of the private organisations, it's, you know, carers are running into a house for an hour some a half an hour yeah. mm-hmm. and people are burned out. They, mm-hmm. they, they, are, they yeah. you know, they look and they think, you know what, there's easier ways of 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 making a living, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so we need to look at the terms and conditions for care staff to encourage the right people to come forward yeah. for these positions. Yeah. yeah, that's a really good point because it's not just the carer going into the house with the half hour and rushing around. It's also very frustrating for the person with dementia or the family as well. Of course, absolutely. I mean, I think that to have any kind of a meaningful experience with a, a client and, and vice versa, the client with the carer, there needs to be a minimum amount of time. I have never agreed um, and I've been quite vocal about that. I've never agreed with these half hour visits. Um, I mean, I get up in the morning. It takes me an hour again. I have yeah. my share and put my makeup on. <laughs> so to go into somebody's home uh, where someone has dementia yeah. and expect them to mm-hmm. maybe get out of bed and assist with sharing and dressing and, and get breakfast all in an hour. Yeah, I, I don't know how we can call that quality care. Mm-hmm. Okay, and just one other thing that I would like to emphasize. Um, So it's so important that we, uh, when delivering dementia specific care, that we understand uh, the person's likes and their dislikes. And the dislikes are every bit as important as the likes. Um, So our organization, the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland, we use a document uh, called This Is Me. So we would normally sit with the family um, or on some occasions the families might say, look, leave that with me. And it's nice if it can be done uh, with the collaboration of the client themselves. 
and uh, to gather as much information on what they like and what they dislike. Um, I think it's vitally important to uh, a good service. That's so important. And I think, Susan, you touched on that earlier when you said about a document that the care company that came into your mum, that they created a life story. Yeah. And, you know, I, I told had a conversation with them and I told her, them about her like their her likes and dislikes. And she we, we always told them, if you don't like cats, don't come into mom, <laughs> mom's house because mom loved her cat. Right. Skippy was her name oh. and she absolutely loved her. So and once we had um, we were interviewing a care worker outside on the patio, a cat, the cat came over and sat on the table and the the woman who was being interviewed um, kind of recoiled <laughs> and gave the cat a dirty look and like we said, no, that's definitely not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> not a bit. Yeah. 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 It is. It's so important to know uh, the likes and the dislikes of the client. Yeah. It, it really is. That's yeah. a great point. Would you agree with that, Megan? Oh, definitely. Even with just things that help to settle mum, just to relay those to the person that was coming in to sit with her. So on the days that mum was a little bit more agitated, putting on the greatest showman or putting on her favourite music to it just brought her back and settled her down and brought her to a happier place than yeah. having something on that annoyed her or kind of talking to her on the days she didn't want to be spoken to. Sometimes all it took is just a little bit of music just to. Yeah. And music is fantastic. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and knowing the person's likes yeah. and their, their, their dislikes. You know, we have one client at the moment and she absolutely loves Daniel O'Donnell. <laughs> um, and, and we've another client uh, who only lives around the corner, coincidentally, from from th- this lady and uh, her. I was saying, and what do you think of Daniel O'Donnell? And the son was in the room and he was shaking his head. <laughs> she doesn't like Daniel O'Donnell, but it's finding out what people yeah. do like, you yeah. know. That yeah. it's yeah, it's so important. So As important. you say, that really makes a difference, doesn't it? Absolutely it? Does. to giving person centered yeah. care. And all of our care is just to say this document that we use within the organization, it's not just ticking a box. This document that this is me is given to the care worker that's assigned. And he or she will read through it. And I will uh, I will always speak to the carer before I do the introduction to the family. I will give them the background. Sometimes um, the the document will um, be it'll be left with the carer, our own care, the ASI care worker. And um, but but it's important what I was going to say there was that things can change. Mm. So, you know, the, the this is me document is an evolving uh, yeah. document. Yeah. And yeah. so what somebody might like to do, uh, because we can be years in with a client. Yeah. So what somebody might like to do when we uh, commence with them uh, three or four years later, they may not uh, like to do. So it's yeah. an evolving document and we keep the carer updated. Uh, and that's it's a very important document to us. It really is. That's yeah. great. Great advice, Adrian. And for carers and family members listening to this podcast, what would your tips be for making home care successful? Um, again, I suppose it, it all boils down to knowing the person, okay. knowing what they want, what they need um, and putting the right person with with the client. Um, but I would just say that home care, while it has huge benefits, 
Um, I think it should be part of somebody mentioned earlier being prepared and but yeah. I think home care um, is at the moment we would have clients that would be in receipt of home care, daycare. Um, they would attend our social clubs and they have a lovely mixture of, of each service. Um, for some people, they may not want to engage with one service, but may choose another. But what I would say to, to all families and when we get calls, I always ask one question to the person who's normally the primary carer. I always say to them, what if I was a fairy godmother, what what would could I offer you that would make a difference to you in a positive way in caring for your loved one, you know? And I think sometimes um, knowing what it is you need, because I think there's a lot of information out there. And I think that to try navigate um, around there's so many different types of home care for starters yeah. that I think for people uh, they, they just don't know, well, what's the difference in the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland home care to a home care package? And what's the difference in home support and home help? Yeah. And so I think to, you know, to find out, as as Megan said earlier, find out about what these uh, different services have to offer and then decide, would that be helpful for me? Yeah. You know, and as I said, you know, the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland, we are always our helpline is fantastic. Um, but all of our phone numbers, mobile numbers, they're all up on our website. Feel free any time of the day to give us a call. That's great. You might be inundated now, Adrian. I, well, <laughs> we are. I have been. And, and that's all welcomed. I, I love yeah. if I can part with information and if I can help somebody's journey uh, just to be a little bit easier. I that's job well done as far yeah. as I'm concerned. That's fantastic. And I know I, I know I know you anyway, Adrian, but I loved the line in your biography where you say, I can honestly say that I love my job. And as long as I can, I will advocate for people living with dementia and their families. So that's a real testimony to you that you love your job so much and you put that much effort into it. I do. I, I do love my job. I love meeting a variety of different people from different backgrounds. And I always think, you know, at the end of the day, I've met people that are very, very wealthy and I've met people that are very, very poor. But you know what? When you're on the caring journey, mm -hmm. it, you know, those kind of things don't matter. It's yes, the supports of people around mm -hmm. you that matter. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's so important. And I think that's a really positive note for us to finish on. Um, so I'd like to just thank you all very much, Susan, Megan and Adrian. Thank you so much for your time. And I think we'll give out the helpline again, as Adrian said fantastic helpline at the Alzheimer's Society of Ireland and it's 1-800-341-341. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This podcast series is kindly sponsored by Hidden Hearing and we are very grateful for their support so that the lived experience of caring for someone with dementia is heard. To learn more about their work, please visit hiddenhearing.ie.